Welcome to the Apple of Truth, currently a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner. All with love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer, season one, episode 12, hashtag Team Lucifer. What a title. <sighs> I know, right? Yeah. It kind of feels right that this name is said by Malcolm. Yes, because I'm not a fan of the title, but I'm very much a fan of this episode. Summary stuff this time is the most boring that we had so far because the descriptions are accurate. There's no fun German stuff because even Germany went with hashtag Team Lucifer. Let's pick Amazon UK this time. When a woman is dead and in the form of a pentagram on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, the investigation leads Lucifer and Chloe into the world of Satanists. What is fun, though, is the facts and fun part of my episode prep. Because, as you just said, Malcolm gets to say the episode name. Later in the episode, the real name for Corazon is revealed to be Mike Carey. And Mike Carey was actually the name of the writer who single-handedly wrote 75 issues of Lucifer Nirvana from June 2000 to August 2006, which was preceded by his work on The Sandman Presents Lucifer miniseries in 1999. Very nice. That's a very nice tip of the head to that man. Thank you very much for your great work. Yeah, and now we're gonna kill you on the show and crucify you. Yeah, but he, he gets <laughs> killed in a nice zealot way, so that's that's nice. Also, tiny tidbit that I did not catch on my first watch. At about 31 minutes, 25 seconds into the episode, there is a background shot of Los Angeles with a very prominent signboard of Melissa Benoit as Supergirl. Oh. I did not catch that. According to IMDb, it's in there. But for me, the most important facts and funs parts are this episode is written by Ildi herself. And it shows. Yay! We love Ildi. The writing is so 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 brilliant in this episode and I forgot to check who wrote the episode and I watched the episode and was praising the writing all the time and I went back like oh I didn't write down who wrote this episode <laughs> oh fuck it was Ildi oh of course it is and not surprising this episode has the second best IMDb rating of entire season one the only episode that has a better rating is the season finale I never really cared about writers I care about their work and I appreciate them but I never actually went as far as learning their names so when Ildi was announced for Lux for the Lucifer convention. I was kind of excited, but I didn't really have uh, any strong feelings about this. But with this rewatch, when we started going one by one episode, started getting more into detail and noticing little stuff like this, I actually really came to appreciate and fucking adore her because she is very, 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 very good. And also you get to ask much more in-depth questions when you have access to the actual showrunners. Because let's face it, actors are doing their job. They get lines, they get the character, they get directions. And of course, they're still doing a great job, especially several of the actors that we get the pleasure to watch in this show but still they're mostly doing a job so when you go into certain in-depth character questions you need to talk to the writers to get an understanding of why certain things have been done a certain way so I've decided that I'm just gonna start saying the previously ons super quickly and without breathing yes <laughs> Malcolm breaks up Chloe and Dan over a text Ames wants Malcolm to kill Lucy but Lucy bribes him with his coin Mace sleeps with Ames and tells Lucy. Lucy is immortal only at some times and Chloe makes him vulnerable. 
this time it was very short. Did I miss anything? No, very well put, I have to say. We're moving right into a scene that I called being sacrificed as a sexual fetish. Why not? Not yucking anyone's yum. I want to start this one with the song because we always start an episode with the song and I couldn't help but notice the lyrics of this one. It's called Call Me Devil and it's by Friends in Tokyo. And the beginning of the lyrics go... I ain't no angel, don't got no halo. I cut off my wings, made my mama scream. I'm your darkest dream. And then it goes on about him being the devil and whatever. The start of the song is very, very in your face what Lucifer is actually has been about so far that he cut off his freaking wings. Yeah, exactly. That's why I had to stop and write it down for you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get back to the first scene. Yeah, I was confused why the high priest is stabbing the girl, but the guy who takes the dead girl is someone else. I mean, of course, then it's revealed that it's actually the boyfriend and yada yada, but it didn't fit the sacrificial story for me, so I was a bit confused. Also, that emo makeup on the boyfriend, boy, did that make me remember my goth times. Ooh, ooh, the whole outfit and everything. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, I took issue with the very sloppy rope work, but at least it was believable that she slipped free of it that easily because, wow, that was done so bad. If I had tied that, she would not have been able to get free. I don't think that was the point of her being tied up. Well, just because it's roleplay doesn't mean it doesn't have to be proper and authentic. I understand that that is your point of view. What, there's other point of views than mine? Where, where do you get that from? They exist. Really? Nah, <laughs> can't be. The whole scene is just so weird. But what I kind of really like is the callback to the goat. Because the entire first scene during the ritual, they have goat heads all around. And then we're going to get back to it when we go visit the house. And it's also fitting for the Satanist setup. Well, yeah, obviously. But it just stood up for me because it was mentioned at the goat story that they still didn't tell us. And also it's so nice that later on Lucifer is actually, why the goat? But it's also compatible to actual Satanist lore because of the whole Baphomet and the goat head inside the pentagram with the horns and the chin part and everything. I liked it for being more or less accurate. Yeah, I do not have enough information on this to be judging how accurate it was done. I've seen worse, let's put it that way. (laughs) Both on and off screen. Okay, just leaving it out there. Next up, we're at testing, testing, testing. With Maze throwing random shit at Lucifer. And out of window. (laughs) Did she actually kill someone with that? I would be curious to know. I would not be surprised. But I have a question. When she hits him with the first knife, he makes like a pained grunt, even though it didn't hurt him. I was surprised because episodes ago, he explained to Chloe that getting shot feels like a harsh flick on your shoulder. So having a piece of dull metal for him thrown at his chest is the velocity of the item forcing the air out of his lungs because mace is so super strong (laughs) that was gonna be my interpretation for this but i feel like we are slightly inconsistent with the actual effect things have on lucifer because if they didn't put in the flicking parts about a bullet it would be much more believable for me because now we have lucifer passing out twice when he gets shot and it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't comply to me yeah it doesn't seem fitting in itself 
Also, what I found horrifying, we have a time jump with this episode. I know! I hate time jumps. Either tell me in the beginning of the episode that X amount of time has passed. They're telling you! No, they're telling me four minutes into the episode. That's the beginning of the episode! We didn't even get a title card yet. Still technically called open. Mm. I know you hate it, but at the same time, I appreciated that this time they actually told us how much time passed because... We've had time jumps before, but we don't know how much time passed. They never told us. So it's done better than before, but could still be done better. Let's agree on that. This is the first time we actually know how much time has passed between the episodes and between the cases. And also, fuck you, Lucifer, for ghosting Chloe for three weeks. Are you fucking kidding me? I get that he's trying to figure this out, but that is extreme avoidance behavior, even for him. Honestly, I have a little bit of an issue with it at the beginning but as the time goes on in the episode I'm actually completely on board with it eh, okay <laughs> but yeah it's not nice he shouldn't be doing that he should have texted her and say sorry I need to take a sabbatical need to figure some shit out but then again he's not sure if she is doing it on purpose or if it's just happening totally but also I am surprised that Chloe actually lets him get away with it for fucking three weeks yeah that's another thing she's usually more tenacious in pursuing stuff and I get that it's set up later on with the whole embarrassment stuff with oh a woman talked about her feelings so a man must get uncomfortable but I'm gonna talk about that when we get there we get a confirmation that Maze is using a special type of a blade that was made in hell yes which is the first time it was actually spat out for us and confirmed and I love those blades so much they're so pretty also the whole suggestion of Chloe being weaponized by Amenadiel is kind of interesting. They're gonna go through different theories in the first half of the episode and Lucifer gets very pissy with Chloe because he convinces himself that she is doing it on purpose. So they are pretty much telling us what they think on the spot, which is kind of cool. Yeah, even though I was still very angry with him, I could relate to him. Yeah, to me, I was not angry because I feel like he was forbidden by Mace as his protector to see Chloe and he actually really misses her and misses working with her. Oh, he's lashing out because of various reasons, yes. Yeah, because when you see his face, when she tells him that this is a case that she really needs him on, his face lights up. Yeah, he's happy. For a second and he's really happy and then he looks at Mace and he goes, oh yeah, sorry, actually I can't. He's torn inside and she's letting it out on her. And another thing is that there's a first hint of her not doing anything to Lucifer physically and just a reminder that it's the proximity and then later on Lucifer is trying to keep apart from Chloe for just a couple of feet but then again he gets hurt when she's still on the lift well the lift isn't that far away from where he's sitting but it's way more than just a couple of feet so it just doesn't really make sense to me well I understand the keeping distance because he keeps watching her he's like a scared animal to make sure that he can just run off the second she tries something. That was just what I wanted to kind of point out because it will kind of come back later on in my notes. In the next scene... Hey, Lucifer, indeed. We have 
a song called Mess Around. And it is a returning band, Cage the Elephant. We've had them before. It's the first time we had a returning band, right? I think so. At least we haven't pointed it out before. I haven't noticed specifically a returning band, but this time I remember Cage the Elephant was in like episode three, I think. I'd have to double check. So yeah, very cool. I actually like Lucifer's scaredy cat behavior around Chloe. It is very well done, even though it's infuriating, but it's really nicely done. I love that they bring back the crazy preacher. From episode two. I love a good callback. I love when seemingly one of characters are brought back in a reasonable way. I loved the fucking comment with the frisbees in their earlobes when he talks about the Satanists fucking hilarious. I find it super weird that Malcolm is still being a cop and he's still as disgusting as ever, but he's not eating. But it's still gross. Yeah, but he's not eating. The last few episodes, he has been stuffing his fucking face and suddenly he's not eating anymore and I'm gonna reach a bit towards the end of the episode. To me, it feels like in this episode, his crazy obsession with food has now been replaced with a crazy obsession with Lucifer. And I thought that was super well done. Because I felt so off that he wasn't stuffing his face. Mm -hmm. And it was even more unsettling because he wasn't eating. Yeah. In this episode, Malcolm, he is creepy as fuck. Hector is so amazing. Wow. The way... Oh my god. It just has so much. But... I do not understand. This is the thing that pissed me off the entire episode. Why is Malcolm still part of the force? Why didn't Dan tell anyone anything? I have this in caps in my notes. Repeatedly. They're still fucking partners. They go off into the fucking sunset together. They're still partners. Malcolm is still a cop. Dan didn't tell anyone anything. He didn't even tell Chloe. He was willing to come clean to be able to arrest Malcolm. And now suddenly, eh, never mind. Yeah, I know. It's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. Ah, I have to say caps several times. So yeah, full agreement there. It was so upsetting to me. What I found painful was the tension between Chloe and Dan. It was very well done, but I felt so bad for both of them actually. Because while I don't understand why Dan didn't come clean, I still feel for him. Because back when this shit happened, he was trying to do the right thing. And it basically backfired on all potential and possible levels. And for Chloe, she was just starting to open up to him again and then to be broken up with via text must have been so painful so i really feel for both of them i kind of just want to take both of them and put them on linda's couch and have linda help them sort out their issues yeah ah this whole it's a mess this scene is just so many really weird feelings it's quite anxious to me and then when the preacher shows up as well for Lucifer, that must be horrible as well because there's this guy shows up and starts calling him all the names that he hates and feels that are untrue. Like king of all evil, king of all lies. And this is something that Lucifer hates the most, that he is being blamed. And has been fighting against. Yeah, he will lash out about this later. But this is really well done setting up the groundwork so his later emotional explosion makes sense and it comes from somewhere and it's building up from this moment on. I feel in this episode, every setup is being made to pay off in a beautiful way. Yeah. The only thing that I'm at the end still not clear on is 
why Malcolm and Dan are still working together. But everything else gets a good arc. I said so before, and I'm gonna keep repeating myself, the writing in this episode is fabulous. Mm-hmm. You know what else I'm a fan of? Secret room. Even secret floor. I have a big issue with this one, though. Why? How is that a secret room if you can clearly see the fucking drags of the door on the floor? It's very, very obvious. I wish they hadn't made it that obvious. If they didn't have the quarter circle, just like a tiny bit of scraping on the floor, because Chloe is competent enough to actually notice tiny things. But still, I love the fact that there is a secret room slash floor, and I really want one. Maybe not with the dead chicken parts, but I want one. Sounds like you. What is a good fun about this scene is that we have a song that is called Stop Dead. And it's by Stop Dead. Okay. And Lucifer's note when they open the secret door. Very mid-century rapist. It is. And then I just got very upset about the fact that the father didn't know about a fucking hall floor. But then it became clear when he said, oh, I should have visited her more often. Yeah, that it wasn't his place, but it was her place. I didn't understand why they met him there. It felt like they smooshed two scenes together, checking up her place and informing the next of kin. Yeah, but I think it's nicely done because I would not have cared about his place. Yeah, it is reasonable, but it just got me a bit on the run there. I wasn't that confused because I actually think in the scene before, Chloe says that they're meeting the father at her place. Oh, I missed that. What is another amazing example of the fabulous writing in this episode is how they transition between this scene and the precinct. Because they start with the call between Chloe and Dan. And it feels like, okay, no, we're sticking with Chloe. And then we get the short... It's so well done. It's seamless. It was slightly blurred for me to when I tried to separate it into scenes. I didn't even realize that they changed the setting. <laughs> it's like, fuck, whatever. I, I, I uh, Okay, we're now moving on to the fucking parking lot. What else? I just want to mention another one of my complaints. Why are Dan and Malcolm still partners? I have said the same thing. How are they just walking around like nothing happened? Ugh. Yeah, I was... Ugh, fuck it. Don't worry, I'll tell you. Up next, scene five. The dark, dark garage. I actually only have two notes for this because it's super short. A, we get the name drop here for the episode. And B... While I loved seeing Malcolm getting manhandled by a manadeal, I enjoyed Malcolm's smugness towards a manadeal when he tells him off that he basically can't do anything to him. My problem with this scene is that Malcolm reveals his entire hand. He tells Ames everything. If he wants to flip this on its head and start asking Ames to do things for him or whatever or give him another offer why is he telling him about the coin? Because he feels pretty much untouchable. He's grandstanding the classic villain mistake That's my problem not with the writing but with Malcolm You know like he is being himself and he is being 
stupid. And it just kind of makes me a little bit sad and confused because his plan to kill Lucifer was actually really smart. Yeah. The whole throwing off the sand, blaming it on Dan and stuff like that was actually quite smart. And now he's walking around being stupid. Well, actually, also his plan with setting up the preacher for the fall and everything is really smart. The only issue that Malcolm has is that he likes to brag. Yeah. And so it's very much in character that he actually tells Amenadiel everything. Oh yeah, it's in character. It just makes me upset. I actually do wonder if the coin can simply be plucked away from him or if he has to give it up or... Could he just lose it in theory? Or because it's a mystical coin. Well, it is. But also Malcolm isn't its master, really. He has been given the coin, but that doesn't mean that he has complete power over the coin. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm thinking for myself. We'll see, but I'm very curious. Yeah, same. But that is all I have for the dark, dark garage before we go on to Chloe's hacker skills. (laughs) I hurl feces. That's all I'm gonna say right now. What? That's one of the things that when she's trying to figure out the letters. Really? She says hurler of feces? I hurl of feces. <laughs> I missed that. It's one of the last really <laughs> desperate ones. When she's like, oh, is it this? Is it that? And then she just kind of gives up and says, I hurl feces? I don't know. And then Lucifer comes around and sees the Latin in it. The children of the goat. But children of the goat. Oh my God. They're just hammering it down into her face so much. I love it. And pretty much also in Lucifer's face. Yeah. I'm very much there for his exasperation. What I actually really liked when he starts reading the the satanic manifest and he's like, hey, there's some good stuff in there because there actually is a lot of good stuff in the classic satanic beliefs. There's a lot of free will and treating others as you yourself want to be treated. There's a lot of Immanuel Kant philosophy in there. No shame in uh, sex and yada yada yada. So it's nice to see that parts of the actual satanic belief is being used here. I mean, of course, the group is later on so, so cringy and bad, but I appreciated that this tiny positive tidbit was in there. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, was the website shit. Oh, I love to hate it. It was so good and so bad at all. It's very early 2000s. Yes. It feels MySpacey to me. Mm-hmm. I never had MySpace, but... Oh, me neither. When you watch older telly shows, like early 2000s, like CSI and, and CIS and stuff like that, when they go online and look for stuff or like find things, it's always some ridiculous website format like that. Yeah. It's very dated. Yeah, MySpace started 2003 and that's the feel I get from that website. Early 2000s. <laughs> Makes sense. I grouped everything relating to the Satanist meeting place into one scene. I think I did the same thing, yeah. There is a song called Let Me Get It Out by Born Ruffians. Ooh. It's very, very cool. But I need to do my obligatory. I love that fucking car. I just cannot not say it. I've mentioned it before. It did a comeback during the season. So I did my jeet and we can go on back to the scene. I was surprised that Lucifer actually waited for her before he knocked on the door. It would have also fit his behavior in this episode to simply go on ahead without her. I think they're still partners, so he kind of respects Eh, that. He doesn't trust her at the moment. I feel like we're past the I don't trust you. I 
think you're doing it on purpose that he kind of got over that one. Let's just say I wouldn't have been surprised if he had gone on. Yeah, it makes sense to me that he waited for her. As I mentioned before, they're pulling out the cliche that men freak out as soon as anything about feelings happens. That's the only meh for me in this entire episode because I'm not a fan of that cliche. But it is a cliche for a reason, but also it's not correct. I mean, in this situation, it is not correct, even though it's called out. It's a wrong assumption by Chloe, but... Yeah, so it's like a debunking the cliche. It mirrors our actual society. Maybe that's why I'm not a fan of it, because even while it is a cliche, it's also very, very close to the truth for so many people. And it's an issue, and I wish it wasn't, because just because you're male doesn't mean that you can't have feelings or talk about feelings or share feelings or be vulnerable emotionally and open and this is something that needs to change and so I'm meh. I understand why you hate the cliche what I appreciate in this moment is that she calls it out because that's clearly her experience as well Yeah, and I would not go too far from home either she opened herself up to Dan mm. just a couple weeks ago and he yeah he in quotation marks shut her down Yeah, so this is a very fresh thing in her mind so it makes sense that she jumps to this conclusion so it rubs me personally the wrong way that's fair enough did you catch the you're supposed to be blonde yes and you know what's the reference to well he is depicted as blonde in the bible no in the comics oh is he yes oh fuck in the comics lucifer is blonde because in the comics lucifer is modeled after david bowie true oh my god i taught you this I know, it's been weeks. Shame. And my brain is jelly. Shame. You need to know the Lucifer lore. So that was really, really nicely done. I adored that the tough as Satanist at the door is freaking out because of the devil face because he's just not true believer. Where did he run off to though? Back door and vanishes. But he just leaves all of his friends behind. Yeah, of course. He doesn't even raise alarm or anything. He just runs off. It's great. Yeah, why would he? Because, you know, they're his church and they're his friends. That's why. Yeah, and he was scared out of his mind. We've seen what the devil face has done to people. But Lucy didn't show him the face. He just showed him the eyes. True. Okay, so yeah, he's he's just a failure as a Satanist and as a person. Yeah, and I absolutely understand why he runs off. But I just find it hilarious that he didn't even fucking race any kind of an alarm. His best friends are in that room and he just fucking takes off. Doesn't even care. With the group in the room, I like that they, in the beginning, try to just listen in. I was a bit sad that we didn't get to hear the other two names because the high priest starts going off like Lucifer and Baphomet and I would have liked to know what the other two names this group of Satanists uses, but sadly we don't get to hear them. I really love that Lucifer has enough and just decides to walk into the room and gives this great speech of free will and independence and and everyone goes like, yeah, free will, anarchy. You're such idiots. And according to IMDb, this speech is mirroring the speech in Life of Brian. And it's been a while that I've watched Life of Brian, so it's not freshly enough in my brain, but I can see that. So yeah, I really enjoyed his speech. And him basically shaming everyone for being thoughtless minion followers, even though they're proclaiming to be actual their own mind and boss and everything, what he's actually standing for. 
I also really like the high priest. Mitch. With his, I like the philosophy, but it attracts a lot of weirdos because he's so right. The idea is nice, but dude, are some of those followers problematic? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's often the case with good thoughts and bases. Getting twisted. You have the same happening with fandoms. Yeah. When people attach to a show that actually has like a very good motto or moral or theme and... It just gets into an extreme. Yeah. It's always gonna happen. This is a callback to what you just said in the previous scene where he says, I like the philosophy and Lucifer is reading from the book and saying, oh, there's actually some really good things in here. Yeah. And I really like it. But, so I was listening to Mitch here and I kind of really like this character. He seems to be very reasonable. Yeah. He has a really good accent, I thought. This is cool. Let me just, you know, look up who he is so I can see where he's from. Obviously, he is Scottish. I should have known. The actor's name is Ross McCall. Okay. I just find it really funny that it's not a full-blown Scottish accent, but when you know about it, you can hear it, and it's just such a good accent. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I found the reveal that the murder weapon was gone very obvious, but still nicely done. And I also, once again, want to applaud... Tom Ellis acting because when he has that realization that an angel could actually hurt him the way he checks for wings and such is is very comedic but his expression once again is playing so many layers because I feel like I haven't pointed out for a while what a freaking terrific actor Tom Ellis is you think that but you usually squeeze it at least once in every episode (laughs) very good because it is well deserved let's be honest Lucifer at this point is not a show that requires a superbly high level of acting and so whenever certain actors or certain characters display this higher level I feel it well deserves to be pointed out yeah I wanna just point out again that this is another theory that we're getting after after Ames weaponizing Chloe now maybe Chloe being Chloe being an angel yeah it's another look at this which is very cool because at the moment that they get presented it makes sense yeah it feels organic that Lucifer would come to those conclusions and that he would actually think and believe that looking at the next scene which I called sexy times thankfully in the previously on we saw the car scene and this time I saw the fucking wing but it's super faint it's not it's clear because the window shatters the shattering and the wing structure goes very hand in hand but now I saw it and you're absolutely right do you know what I'm gonna do just to spite you and to show our listeners that I was right I will take a freeze frame and post it when I post this episode no one told you that you're not right because no one has actually listened to that episode yet I think but you told me that I'm not right. No, I saw You I... said it's faded. It's clean. I said I didn't see it. And now I say <laughs> you were absolutely right. But you can still get your screenshot. And at the summoning episode, I'm actually going to go back and get the screenshot for the fly in Tom Ellis's hair because no one found it. That is true. For our summoning episode, I will reveal the fly in Tom Ellis' hair. Good. So, coming up sexy times. I do have a slight issue because while I'm super happy that Mace and Ames do get some shared screen time, I'm missing the sizzling tension that they had in an earlier episode. 
I feel like the sexual tension now that they're actually having sex has gone. I don't think it's completely gone, but it's definitely lower. It feels more tender than tension now. Well, because they started to care about each other, Lena. You can't care about someone and still have sizzling sexual tension. Well, yeah, but now there is a little different motivation because now more happened. When we had that electric moment where Mace licks Ames's face and we get those sparks coming off them. No, but even in the last episode when they're sitting in a fucking restaurant and Mace is teasing him, I felt more tension. And in just three weeks, at least to me, it feels like all sexual tension has left the building and all that is left is sexual tenderness. I don't think it's there that way. I think Mace's motivation is different now. Yeah, of course, but still, I want my tension back. I get it, but you're not gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. It was so fucking hot between those two. It was good, but now she has a mission and it's a mission that she's having an issue with and she has a lot of internal struggle, clearly. Oh, Leslie Ann does a a brilliant job displaying this this internal struggle on her face. I'm not talking down on On acting, yeah. Also, D.B. Woodside does the vulnerability on his face that he's failing and he had one mission in it. Acting-wise, it's great. I'm just sad to be now missing the tension. Yeah, I get it. But I also understand why the relationship is different now. Sorry, are we not gonna talk about what Amenadiel's apartment looks like? That it is literally just a bed in the middle of a room with shitloads of candles? He doesn't need anything else. Yeah, but like... I'm pretty sure he didn't have a bed before he started fucking Mace. Why does he even need an apartment? Because he started fucking Mace. But that's the thing. It's just ridiculous. To me, this place looks like something that you just get to have hot, amazing, outer-worldly sex. It's Ames's pleasure room. Yes. Yeah. Which he definitely didn't have before Mace. That's why they had sex in the car for the first time. Yeah, well, I know that he did it, but it's a nice look into Ames's soul. I didn't put down any comments on Amenadiel's love nest, but I love the description for that. <laughs> I should have called the scene Amenadiel's love nest. I called it Ames's apartment question mark. <laughs> We're coming up to a scene that probably made you very, very happy because yay, Trixie. Hell yes. Hell yes. Look, this episode has so many little moments where I just burst out laughing aloud. Yes. And one of these moments is when Lucifer takes a fucking stuffed animal and throws it at Trixie. And she comes out and instantly calls him out on it. Yeah, so good. Also, her demanding cash for information. Damn, Trixie. Trixie has all the chocolate cake she needs from Dan already. Yeah. She's so cutthroat. I love it. I mean, she is a child of separated parents. I hear that means that you kind of know how to ask for things. She also seems to pay a lot of attention to things that happen on the fringe of her awareness. And since both of her parents have police jobs and her grandmother is this manipulative actress person, it feels very 
very much in character that Trixie would be this devious without being malicious. So I was very much there for it. And I also really, really appreciated that basically Trixie is being sent off to bed. And right after she leaves, her being the innocent person, Lucifer drops the entire vagueness act and simply says it straight to Chloe's face. Yep. And I so, so much enjoyed it because we're now pretty much halfway in the episode. And had they let it run on longer, I think it would have become grating. And I feel like this was the perfect moment to switch into a more honest Lucifer. Because Lucifer prides himself on being direct and honest and clear and straightforward. Yep. I have one question. Does Chloe ever wear underwear? She was not wearing a bra when she was showing him her back. True. And I don't think this is the first time. Maybe she's not a fan of bras. I'm not a fan of bras. I'm not wearing one. I'm not wearing one either, but I'm at home. When I go to work, I wear a bra. I haven't worn a bra for weeks now and I've been at work (laughs) okay never mind maybe she just doesn't like wearing underwear I guess but I just find it funny because I don't think that that's a common thing on television oh yeah no in this moment especially with your rants about underwear (laughs) no in this moment it's definitely deliberate that she's not wearing a bra I understood it as she went up into the bathroom started taking off her clothes realized she forgot her phone and instead of getting completely dressed she simply just put on her sweater that was the only explanation I could come up with as well but then they straight out leave the apartment praise be the not need to wear a bra of course if you feel more comfy with a bra then please do wear a bra but don't wear a bra just because you feel like society tells you you should wear a bra oh yeah no that was not my intention at all I know but like we keep telling people that therapy is a good thing and toxic masculinity is a bad thing we should also tell them that wearing a bra should be your decision and not society's pressure exactly because we like to tell people things that are very obvious Yes. Yeah, just you'd be you. Exactly. You do you. As long as you don't hurt anyone else by your fucking actions. Next up, we come to the anamorphic print, which the scene in itself is great because... I did not expect the anamorphic print reveal. Oh, that was so good. That was so well done. I love the naming of Douche and Stash. I think they could have their own police series. Detective Douche and Stash. Well, I wouldn't watch it because I find Stash so disgusting, but I see where you're coming from. It would be a great name. I feel like... Dan's forced distance to Chloe is making him an even worse cop than usual. And the fact that he is just jumping on bullshit. Yeah. It feels like we're back to episode one Dan. Yeah. Morningstar for Lucifer is not that uncommon. Yeah. And also if Lucifer is involved, why would he leave a fucking signature? Yeah. On the other hand, Lucifer is very much in your face. Yeah. But he says it the way it is a little bit later. Yeah. Why? Why would he do this? This goes against everything he claims he is. Speaking of what Lucifer is claiming, I love his emphasis on he would never hurt an innocent. Yeah. And that while they were misguided, they were still all innocent. Those victims and those people in the cult. This is one of the moments where I actually really appreciated how personal 
he is taking stuff. Yeah. And I just wanted to give him a hug. From this point onward, I feel so bad for Lucifer. He just feels so disheartened because... And misunderstood. I said it before, like, king of all lies, king of all evil. He has had this throne in his face for thousands of years. Basically for aeons. And it was wrong. This is not him. Yeah. And the biggest issue, I think, is that this moment, it feels that Chloe is on that side as well. Yeah, he has nobody in his corner and he used to have at least Chloe in his corner and now he still feels that he can't really trust her. Since we started watching this show, this is now the first time that he truly feels alone and so i feel so bad for lucifer i completely forget about this plot twist by the way this was just so heartbreaking (laughs) i really like that it's still night and he directly goes to therapy to a night therapy session with linda and i really like that he's properly confiding in linda Mm -hmm. that he now feels like he can't trust chloe and that it pains him and yada yada and linda as usual is superb at her job. Everything she says and how she handles him for once actually gets him to say he doesn't want to stop being in contact with Chloe. He doesn't want to shut her out. This just shows how much he's grown. And also how severe the situation is for him. How deep the potential betrayal by Chloe has cut him. Yeah. The end of the scene on uh, Linda saying well, stay away from Chloe then. And he is, for the first time, he's saying that aloud. I don't want to. And it's so good and powerful. And this is a perfect way to end this scene. It's so good. It's very emotional. Him being this distraught and we go over to Mace and Ames and Mace really struggling with her mission and hesitating, being stopped by Ames and him leaving her and her being obviously hurt and being like literally between the rock and the hard place. Our emotions are just being trampled on in these minutes. Ah! I'll tell you though, the name of the song that is playing Mm. is Confessions. Of course it is. I applaud the people who pick the songs for this show. It's so good. Yeah. Sometimes they're very much on the nose, but sometimes they really do get it perfect. I don't have many notes for the next few scenes, like also already in this one, but it all flows so perfectly because while we're now in this emotional turmoil state for both Lucifer and Mazikeen, we go back to Lucifer getting fucking mobbed by street crazies. Him being goaded in this confrontation with the preacher, who we already had a callback to in the beginning of the episode, so it feels very organic that he actually is there again. And Lucifer gets so scary in this confrontation. And everything he says is right and understandable, and especially for us as viewers. He's not even that threatening from an outward perspective, but of course it's understandable that people who are just watching this part of the moment feel like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? It's ripped out of the context. Yeah, as much as I dislike Malcolm, I fucking love it that Malcolm is the one to stop Lucifer from committing a huge mistake, because had he done worse damage to the preacher who obviously is not an innocent so lucifer can punish him it's just like ah it's so well done those three scenes just build up this emotion and then we even the next part in the warehouse it's just building up 
more and more to what is happening right now. I'm a tiny bit disappointed because for me it was so obvious that it's not just an M but also a W. Oh, I didn't notice that at all. I didn't think of that. Especially since not even half a minute later we get the name of Reverend Williams displayed on the television. Then it was so obvious for me. Well, you're extremely intelligent viewer though. Aww, thank you. I did not see that at all. I was 100% on board that Williams is due to who kills those people because my note actually says zealots killing people since the beginning of time. <laughs> I mean, it still fits later on because Malcolm's actually a zealot for Lucifer. But in this moment, I was 100% convinced the Reverend did it. Though this scene was again complete fucking bullshit that Dan and Chloe are alone and they're having a fucking conversation. Why doesn't he fucking tell her what happened with Malcolm? I got really upset. And then he jumps on blaming Lucifer. Which makes utterly no sense for me, by the way, as well. Because Chloe and Lucifer haven't even been close the last three weeks, so he has no reason to try to... Undermine him, yeah. Yeah, and to alienate Chloe from Lucifer, because at the moment their relationship is strained anyways. I'm fully on board with you. That was just exasperating the entire episode. Which is a shame, because the episode is so good. And like I said in the beginning, everything else gets a perfect payoff. Again, like you said, the tension just keeps rising here. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And the next scene, I have quite a lot of notes when we're in the penthouse because I kept everything that happens in the penthouse together. And we're already in the third to last scene here. I call this one shit is getting real here. The madness that Malcolm is letting us glimpse into. It just confirms my theory that we talked about this in in a previous episode. When something dies, it should stay dead. Because you'd never know. It comes back wrong. Seriously, I don't know from the top of my head a single example when something didn't come back wrong in some way or the other. Of course, sometimes after a while they fix it in quotation marks so they're back to more or less normal. But right after they come back, they're always... Broken, fucked up, bad, evil, not themselves. And it's understandable. Yeah, of course. This is not just in a television world. This is in real life as well. If you go through some traumatic experience like that, and this is in a fictional world, we can go up to going to hell traumatic experience, which is horrifying. But it will fuck with your fucking head. Malcolm wasn't a good person before he died. Yeah. And now he thinks that he has a get out of hell free card? What did Lucifer expect is gonna happen? What did Aminadiel expect was gonna happen? And also, like I said, I did not see it coming that it was Malcolm. And Lucifer actually points it out later in the scene. But this means that Aminadiel has innocent blood on his hand. Exactly. We made fun in several episodes about Aminadiel falling. And now shit is getting real. There's no way Aminadiel is still a proper angel because now that he has innocent blood on his hands that has to have consequences unless god decides to do double standards on them oh god would never do that (laughs) oh yeah why would he right (laughs) because lucifer has done a lesser crime in theory from what we know so far he never deliberately killed or hurt an innocent person. He has been doing a job that he was given by his father for the last eons. And he only punished guilty people. And the only thing where Lucifer indirectly had innocent blood on his hand is when his favors might have run amok. Like with the Sweet Kicks episode. But it's a long stretch. On Lucifer's hands is the blood of the pig. Yeah. (laughs) And pigs go to hell anyway, so, you know. But... (laughs) 
the reason why Lucifer does this is different. It's not in order to avoid doing a sin that is unforgivable, that is killing an angel or your own family. Also, he's not claiming that his favors are good. And Amenadiel keeps claiming that his actions are good. Yeah. It's wrong on so many levels. I'm fully with Lucifer. And also, oh my god, the fucking writing in this episode. When Lucifer says, I'm not evil, I punish evil a torturer maybe an inflictor of just desserts sure but a senseless murderer i am not it's so good oh my god and it's obviously delivered absolutely perfectly also ames has the worst timing ever because malcolm is getting away malcolm gets away again what the fuck malcolm must be the luckiest he's the luckiest (laughs) son of a bitch ever yeah god full agreement there I found it kind of sweet that Emmanuel Eel seems to actually like Mace. He pretty much shows up just because Mace betrayed him. Fucking mope idiot. While Emmanuel Eel has the worst timing, Mace has the fucking best timing. Fucking mick drop when she puts the blade there. Wah! Just damn woman, you are a amazing she is the queen and she calls their fucking bluff because neither of them has actually an interest in killing the other they just fucking want to punch each other in the face and while they do so they fucking wreck the place to the point where lucifer doesn't have one whole bottle of anything anymore and it's well deserved what i love about this dispute is that this feels like a family yes because you will go after each other you will fight you would shout at each other call each other's names you will hurt each other physically but you will never go too far you will never do the final step some things are just forbidden we tend to well we don't really forget but regular viewer tends to forget that in the end of the day they are brothers they're family and they fight like family exactly this is not on life and death okay but it's a fight between two brothers it's emotional but it's not about survival it's not about actually killing the other creature which it feels way more higher stakes when uh, Malcolm is trying to kill Lucifer or anything like that. You know that this is actually a possibility. The next tiny scene with the police chasing the Patsy, it's only there to tell us that Chloe is on her way to Lux. And I actually read it as obviously she's gonna arrive there at the worst possible moment to make Lucifer vulnerable. That's how I read that scene because I had forgotten how this fucking episode ends. Coming up. The final scene. What a cliffhanger. It is such a cliffhanger. And we have a final song of the episode. What is it? It's called Ice That Kill by Kubi Koo. Which actually makes sense because at the end of this scene, Chloe's face, the hurt in her eyes. She has tears in her eyes. I actually only have three notes. One note is what a fucking cliffhanger. That's how you do a penultimate episode. I have the hurt in Chloe's face. And I have the monologue by Lucifer. I typed out his monologue. (laughs) I did that as well. (laughs) 
Because it's beautiful. And this scene, I only have two notes and, well, three actually. So one is, how did he not notice the body? Because he's so preoccupied with himself. He is very distressed, yeah. My other note besides the monologue is, Lucy is so sad, I just want to give him a hug. I know I'm fucking repeating myself, but the delivery of Tom Ellis, of this monologue, is so brilliant and i honestly don't understand usually imdb has like a quote part for episodes and this is not in there and i don't understand why i think that this is kind of the end the grand finale of the whole episode where he feels like everybody is just ganging up on him and also he describes his personality in full it has been teased at it hinted at in the entire run of the season here he spells it out he puts it into words it's just like it's heartbreaking let's have the monologue well where do i begin with the grandest fall in the history of time or perhaps the far more agonizing punishment that followed to be blamed for every morsel of evil humanities endured every atrocity committed in my name as though as i wanted people to suffer and that is a callback to so many instances because he never wanted people to suffer he is not to be blamed for the evil humanity has done and then he goes over into what he actually wanted all I ever wanted was to be my own man here, to be judged for my own doing. And for that, I've been shown how truly powerless I am. Even the people I trusted, the one person, you, were used to hurt me. And it is just... Oh, I have goosebumps. Fucking goosebumps. This need of Lucifer to be his own being and being valid and worthy and relevant as himself and not as a fucked up perception that people have of him because the winner of the war wrote the history book and portrayed him as something that he is not. He has no way to prove to people that he is not that horrendous, demonic, horrible thing. Ah, the betrayal that he feels. Which, of course, with Chloe drawing the fucking gun on him. While understandable on her part, he basically just told her that she was used to hurt him. And she pulls a fucking gun. And it's just... It's very strong, yeah. Holy shit. I am lit for the last episode. I know you have a surprise info, but... <laughs> My final thoughts are just what an episode and I want to watch the next one immediately. That's all my final thoughts on this one because <laughs> I have to watch the last one before I can form coherent thoughts. Process. I'm gonna hand over to you and be quiet and process. <laughs> there was a cutscene. I'm not surprised. I always watch the cutscene after I watch the episode. And this would have been probably like scene three or something like that. It's just before they go into the theater. And it explains my biggest complaint about this episode. And that is the Malcolm and Dunn relationship. Tell me more. I feel very strongly about this no it should have been preserved in the episode in some way because it just explains so much is that a short scene or a long scene it's a bit of a conversation between dan and malcolm they meet in the hall of the theater and dan brings malcolm a donut so there is food malcolm takes it out and looks at him and asks him if the donut is poisoned and they kind of laugh it off 
Dan says, no, consider it a reset button. We both done some bad things to each other. We're both holding nukes. We were both involved in Palmetto. And if I come forward about you, I go down and vice versa. Pretty much what this boils down to is that Dan wants the gun back. (sighs) Because there is still this untraceable gun with Dan's prints on it. And Malcolm decides that he wants to keep it just in case. And this is kind of the result of the scene where they do have this conversation. Yes, you kidnapped me and beat the shit out of me. And broke up with my still wife. But Dan did shoot Malcolm and put him in a coma. True. And that's not the only thing they name what kind of happens. They do the recap of what they did to each other and then end up being, yeah, neither of us is in a position to bring the other person down without going down themselves. Why did they cut this? I'm actually gonna put this down. Why was the dialogue scene. I'm not really sure where would they put it, I think. They would have to put it right before scene three, because afterwards... Yeah, the thing is that they have Lucifer walking in and facing the preacher for the first time in front of the theater. And then the next cut is inside, Yeah, looking at the body. I guess it would be in between of those things. Yeah, it would be between two and three. Yeah, it's just a scene that as much as I was so upset about this whole Malcolm and Dan situation for the entire episode I then watched this and I calmed down a lot it makes perfect sense I put it in the question list with my overall feelings this was my biggest issue with the episode when I finished it yeah full agreement and then when I saw this it just kind of scaled it down a lot but other than that the whole Mace kind of walking off into the sunset with her own path whatever she is going to do it gives us the idea of her starting to be her own woman or her own demon screw those people well she did yeah don't screw them anymore it just feels like something good is happening there so I'm excited about that I hope they're gonna follow up on this we already got teased that Maze and Linda have started to become friends so I want to morph that yeah so it would kind of make sense that they would grow on that and that's pretty much me on the final thoughts as well it's just it's a really really good setup it's such a perfect penultimate episode yeah for the season finale I can't wait to watch the next one that's pretty much all I have to say Same. Though, of course, before I don't have to say anything else, I have to say thank you to our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Apparently, most of the stickers made their way to their respective owners. Yay! At least the ones Vero sent into the mail. And now that the ones that I have to distribute made their way to Germany, our uh, German listeners are also gonna get their stickers by the time this episode airs. So thank you, lovely, lovely patrons. We really appreciate it. And please do send us feedback. Even if the deadline has already passed, we won't tell anyone. And with that, I say thank you for listening. As usual, if you want to keep in touch with us, there is Twitter. At the Apple of Truth, in one word. Or Instagram. At TAOT Podcast. And obviously, the Facebook page is still a thing and can be found under both names. Our episodes can be found both on Spotify and iTunes. And by the way, on iTunes, you apparently can leave reviews. So 
if you want to do that, we would really appreciate that. I don't know how iTunes works, so if you don't, we also won't mind. We have iTunes on our very Windows laptop. <laughs> and it doesn't really work. <laughs> it's a very bad version. I still don't understand it properly. But pretty sure that we have at least one review there and it's really nice. So <gasps> Really? Take a screenshot. Thank you for leaving it. Yeah, I'll do that. If you want to get some more bonus content or if you want to support us in other way, you can find us on Patreon. Whoop, whoop at patreon.com slash podcast. You will not be able to find us if you just research for us because we curse a lot and our podcast is marked as explicit so it won't come up in the search so you have to go to patreon.com slash podcast and then you can find our profile. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. True, true, And true. we really appreciate everybody who has joined so far and we love you so much, everybody. And with this... We leave you with the penultimate episode, the ultimate cliffhanger, and probably are now gonna like straight go to watch the final episode. Yay! Bye! Bye! Bye.